Welcome to the Money Wise Women Show, brought to you by MoneyMorphosis.com. Are you ready to be inspired to upgrade your financial skills? Listen to feminine leaders sharing practical advice and valuable insights. Shift your money mindset, improve communication skills, and learn financial management tips. Although we do not provide investment advice, you can check out MoneyMorphosis.com. That's money morphosis.com to find simple ways to boost your true wealth. Hello, this is Crystal Arnold, your hostess of Money Wise Women and creator of Money Morphosis. So what is a more intimate economy anyway? Well, first of all, the economy is really about connection and the way that we care for one another and steward our shared resources. And our modern uh, economy has, is more of an extractive economy and uh, it really is uh, a lot of secrecy. There's not a lot of uh, transparency and it's, it's about accumulation and um, there is an emergent field of of economics which serves to create uh, greater intimacy. And this, for me, includes transparency, integrity, relationships being at the forefront of each and every transaction. Also, intimacy implies a certain emotional intelligence, our ability to empathize with what another person may be feeling or experiencing, our own ability to identify our emotions and regulate them effectively. And so I see that deep down, people have a deep, uh, two deep desires, actually, a deep desire for belonging, to experience a sense of belonging. And secondly, a deep desire for meaningful contribution. And we see this, especially in uh, people who are searching for what their gifts are and feeling undervalued in the traditional market economy and yet have so much value to bring forth. And so this is why I am so passionate about bringing forth a more intimate economy. And this is really, like I said, foundational on creating quality relationships and engaging and creating community uh, so that we may satisfy our need for belonging and really have um, true wealth and develop this. And so this is why I am so excited to introduce you to our guest, Jackie Yenga. She is an author of the upcoming book, The Spirit of Village, How to Break the Habit of Living Disconnected and Access Joy. She is originally from Cameroon, Central Africa, and Jackie grew up in Paris and now lives in Vancouver, British Columbia. Her foundation for life was rooted in togetherness and collaboration, a respect for the elders, for nature, and the ancestors. So for Jackie, living a connected life and expressing joy through dancing and singing was a way of life and her daily reality until the age of nine. She then experienced the trauma of disconnection when she was sent to the West to, quote, live a better life. So now she is an inspired speaker, inspiring speaker, author, and enthusiastic ambassador for the wisdom of Africa and the message of togetherness, which she shares around the world in various forms, including as a singer, music, and dance performer. So everyone, I know you will enjoy this delightful conversation. Uh, Jackie, I'd love to begin by hearing a little bit more about um, why you are so passionate about um, the message you are bringing forth and, and what that is in its essence. 
Thank you very much, Crystal. Um, good um, hello to everyone, first of all, and, and I'm so um, grateful to be here with you and to be sharing this conversation because it's, it's a very important one and what you provide is so much needed. And uh, yes, I am very passionate about what I do and it's sometimes difficult to put it into words. You know, when, when you know something that is so important, you can feel it in your bones, you, you can also feel the urgency, but you don't always have the words to articulate what you feel. And uh, to me, it is, um, it is life-saving, basically. Really, there's no, no time to waste. I find that, uh, especially in the Western world, we, we hear of people dying, in my mind, pointless deaths. You know, people who commit suicide, for example, because they're too lonely, uh, because uh, their, their life is meaningless, and, and because they feel like they have no other option. To me, this could be avoided so easily if we were more community-minded people, if we were more together, if people felt a sense of uh, belonging, uh, if they felt that they mattered, if they felt that they were received in wherever they live. And, and so that is what I do. That is the reason why I do what I do and, and why I find it, it important. To me, it really is a, a matter of life, saving life, mm. basically. Yes. Yes. So I would love to hear more about um, this transition and the culture shock that really happened when you left Africa to live in France when you were nine and and this kind of uh, pain and suffering caused by isolation that, that you are describing here um, so prevalent in the Western world. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, it was. It is such a strange experience. It really was a big traumatic event, and and I don't I don't know if people who haven't experienced something like this if they can really understand what it means because I I was born in a culture that is all about people and it's about our relationship to one another, our relationship to our relationship to spirit and to our environment. And so that is where I got my foundation for life, and that is where I understood what life was about. To me, life was all about relationships, and that was the most important thing, uh, thing uh, to cultivate, to put our energy on. In fact, when I was a child, and for the longest time, I thought that uh, a um, rich person was a person with lots of friends, with a person with a lot of people behind them uh, to support them and love them. And so when I arrived in France, uh, I was nine years old. And my first ex ex uh, experience and my first impression was of a really, really cold place. It was in the middle of uh, summer when I arrived in France. So it wasn't cold physically, but it was just cold in terms of the feeling that I was receiving. You know, at nine nine years old, you're old enough that you, your mental abilities are already awakened, but you're still experiencing life um, in terms of vibration, in terms of how it feels. And I was intently, I, I'm a feeling person, so I, I, I feel the connection. So I was at home in my country because the connection was right, really there. It was in the air. And when I arrived in France, it was no longer there in the air. And so it was very scary because I, I felt that I was losing my grip on life. And um, and, and another thing was that it's not just about knowing people, uh, because of course in my country I, everybody knew me, I knew everybody in my neighborhood, but it's also the way I would interact with people. And so in my culture, um, any, any any woman who is old enough to be a mom, I had to call her mama as, as, as a sign of respect, but also as a way to acknowledge the potential relationship that we have as family. And so it was mama because she was she had the right to uh, to treat me like her child and so to take care of me uh, like her child or to um, to discipline me like her child it was her prerogative as a member of my community and as a child in that community i was entitled to the um, um the, the security provided by all the adults around me so i arrived in a place where 
I was no longer taken care of in the way I knew, in the way I was used to. Uh, I could I could not call my my friends' uh, moms as mama while in Cameroon. If I have a friend and she has a mom, I have to call this woman mama because she is my mom too. My friend is just like my sister, and therefore there's, there's there was always that family relationship that that I was aware of, and that I was used to. And so when I arrived in France, I felt just so isolated because I no longer had that. I couldn't I couldn't claim that I couldn't demand it on anyone and it was a really really scary place for me to be. Hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> wow. I'm I'm so right there with you. I I can only <laughs> imagine <laughs> imagine that. I it, it really struck me just um how how connection is our source of value. And when uh, there's disconnection, this causes poverty of the soul and, and the great suffering. And just curious to hear more about what your culture and what Africa has to teach us about money and value and what it is to be truly wealthy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, first, I'd like to simply um, take a moment for us to remember that there are many ways to be poor, right? Just the, the same way as there are many ways uh, to be rich. And, um, and so when, when people uh, talk about poverty, we have to be clear about what, what that means. Because wealth is really relative. We are all rich and poor in so many different ways. And so people tend to look at Africa as a poor continent. And I believe that they, they, they say poor in terms of uh, material wealth. Although it's not completely true either, but that is left aside because, you know, people have uh, preconceived notions of what Africa is. We take a snapshot of something that happens in a very isolated way, uh, and then we, we apply that to the whole continent, and it's not quite that. That's one thing. And, um, but we are definitely rich in, uh, in connection, um, in our sense of well-being, in our sense of um, uh, the richness of the soul. I remember when I arrived in France, um, after that, that first cultural shock and that trauma of that disconnection, I was waiting for, I, I, I still believe that I had a shot at uh, really, really being received uh, uh, into that, this new culture and uh, getting to know people better. And that shot was, I was uh, um, really, really looking forward to going to school, going back to school in September. Uh, so we were right in the middle of summer, so I had to wait for, for September to go back to school. And so I was extremely excited. And so I was waiting uh, for the recess, my very first recess. I was so excited beyond words. And so recess comes, and I run out. Because why? What did I expect? I expected that finally I was going to have a chance to hear the songs of this culture and dance their dances. As a nine-year-old child, in my mind, that was the way that I was going to understand these people, by, by singing their, song and dance, their songs and dancing their dances, and by connecting with people in that way, through songs and dances. And so that, that's, uh, you know, it's a very logical thing to ex- ex- expect when you know where I was coming from. And so we said, I'm rushing out, and I, and I pay attention, but I couldn't hear any sound. I couldn't hear any singing. I couldn't hear any signs of of joy the way I was used to back home. And I thought, okay, maybe uh, it's maybe they're, they're doing all of this quietly. And I went around the, the, the school ground, and I walked everywhere looking for where are they dancing. And I did not find anybody dancing. And I, I still remember the feeling really to this day. I sat down, and I could not believe it. And what came to my mind was, these people do not dance? I could not believe it. In my mind, it was completely impossible. And, and so 
for me, the dancing and singing together was a way to connect with one another, was a way uh, to know other people better, to connect at a different level, not just uh, in terms of uh, who you are socially, where you come from. No, at a place where we, we're all the same and nobody is superior to another and um, and this is just it. And so without that, I just didn't know what, what I could do to have that sense of connection with people. And therefore, uh, to me, the the um, this, this sense of being rich and and uh, and uh, having what you need is also tied to the way we relate to one another. Because, as I said before, uh, as a child, I was convinced that to be rich was meant that you had uh, a lot of people around you, you had a lot of friends. The reason being is this. If you are somebody who is uh, really loved by everybody around you and you, have, and you know many people and many people love you and therefore the day you are in trouble, if anything happens to you, your community will, will gather and come to your rescue. Uh, they will provide what you need. And so it means that you don't need to have it all to create all of the, this wealth on your own uh, to take care of yourself. You can rely and depend on your community to provide that for you in the same way as you would provide it for another, uh, another member of your community if they are the ones in trouble. So therefore, I do not necessarily need to develop my own wealth and become a rich person to have my needs met. All I need to do is to have enough friends and people who, who love me, who, are, uh, who I can rely on, and vice versa, they can rely, rely on me, and then together we are taking care of one another. So if I, I perceive life this way, then this reality that I'm living here in the Western world does not make any sense whatsoever. Because here uh, it is about um, not, not only in independence but mostly self-sufficiency. So I need to have enough money that I can buy any services that I, that I need without having to rely on anyone else. Um, I, uh, I'm, because I'm so busy then trying to uh, survive and, and, uh, and for providing myself all these financial means, I'm no longer therefore available uh, for anybody else. I'm not just saying that it's uh, always cut and dry and, and, and it's black and white like that, but you know, for the most part, that is what I have experienced mostly in the Western world. And so to have a different definition of wealth is very important. And to me, the, the definition is something that has to include the best of both worlds, as I call it, right? So, yes, it's good, of course, to have, uh, to have uh, your, your financial um, security uh, taken care of, but not to the exclusion of everything else. It cannot be the, the only focus or the primary focus of one's life. Uh, to also have uh, the sense of being part of a community, uh, being part of a community where you know that you exist, you know that people will come to your rescue when you need it. You know that you can rely on people and they can rely on you. That is also very important to develop. So to me, this conversation about being rich has to really include every single aspect, not just the financial aspect of being rich. Mm. Yes, yes, I absolutely agree. I, you know, money for so many people is equated with their security. And mm -hmm. what I'm hearing and what you're describing is that this deeper sense of security really comes from our relationships and our community and knowing that we will be, you know, taken care of in, in times of need by people who love us. And would you say that's true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I also agree. I was, um, when I was a new mom and, and staying at home with my young child, I created this true wealth template because I realized I had been working already with women around the importance of, you know, developing their relationship with money and all of those uh, practical skills. But then um, as I was a stay-at-home mom for a while, I realized, wait, I am contributing so much value to the world and in raising my ch children. And um, I, so it basically, the true wealth template has four aspects of wealth. One is, of course, financial, but then there's inner wealth, relational, and environmental. And I've found that when people can use this, 
to really assess their life. Um, it gives them a more holistic sense of, of their own value and, and what direction and choices they want to make to really develop uh, that bigger, uh, to develop more value in their life. And I find like there is so much focus on the financial piece. People's identity are just caught up in their, what their bank account is and how much money they make and so I, I just totally agree that there is great benefit to um, redefining wealth into this more holistic sense. Is there anything else you'd like to say about that? Um, what I would like to say is that um, I developed, um, um, when people ask me what I do and what my mission is, I say that my mission is to leave people feeling the spirit of the village. And of course, then, what is the spirit of the village? And to me, that was the only way I could really summarize uh, what, um, how I feel about life. And it really summarized under, under this title, the spirit of the village. And I could say so many things about what the spirit of the village is because that is the way I felt about uh, life when, as a child when I was growing up in my own country. But I, I, I would summarize it by saying that the spirit of the village is about caring for one another, and it's about the safety, the health, and well-being of the individual, but as part of, an, of a community, not as an isolated entity. When I arrived in France, uh, when I was nine years old, I didn't have a sense of me as one isolated person. I had a sense of myself as part of a community. That is really, really important. And it, it's a game changer. It changes everything. Because those four aspects that you just talked about uh, in your true wealth template, the financial, the inner wealth, the relational in environmental, um, it couldn't possibly be... Uh, well, it couldn't be possible if it didn't include a community, right. be be because you know, just by, right by definition, if it was just about you as an, an isolated entity, then yes, you could have the financial, yes, you could have the inner wealth, you know, yeah. uh, even that would be limited, but you know, but the the other two would be excluded, and so we really have to look at at life uh, from from that perspective from a community perspective yes we are individuals but we are individuals who are members of a larger community and so when you come to life when you see life from that perspective it really changes everything it changes the choices that you make because because this is the way I was taught as a child so I couldn't think in any other ways I couldn't look at life in any other ways and so therefore I knew that every decision that I made for myself had the potential to, to affect and to impact my environment and the people around me. And so, therefore, it was never just about me. And because I learned this from a, such a young age and because it had such a profound impact in me, this is something that I carry with me today. Uh, and I can't look at life in any other way. And, and I'm actually grateful for that. I mean, at times it's been challenging, and at, at times I felt like I was cursed. You know, it was both a curse and a blessing because this way of life works when you're back home surrounded by people who think that way. And so that you're not, uh, you know, if you, for example, you're part of a group of friends, you're not constantly the one who is uh, uh, keeping that connection alive and making sure that you know, we, we're all there together. And so if you're in an environment or with a group of people who are not thinking in, the, in that, those ways, you can easily feel depleted so quickly because you're constantly coming from that place where they're co constantly coming from a totally different place. But the, the moment you understand that this is actually a blessing, then it changes the way you approach everything. The change, it changes the way you approach your relationships to people. It changes the way you approach your relationship to life and to everything else that uh, we, you, you, know, you had mentioned, the financial, the, the inner aspect, uh, your relationships and the environment. And, and to me, having that concept of the spirit of the village, having that concept of I am individual, an individual as part of a community and coming from that place is key, really key. Mm. Well said. Yes. Yes. I've often, cra you know, growing up here in America, felt like that craving for that 
intimacy. I, I often just feel like I'm walking through a, a field of strangers, you know, so many of my mm-hmm. interactions are, are with people that I don't know their family. I don't know the struggles they've been with and often relationships stay on the surface niceties of how are you doing well and and there isn't really an opportunity to get vulnerable and share about our struggles or grieve together and could you talk some about the importance of um, you know some people call it shadow work uh, being willing to go into those dark uncomfortable um, tender places within our own psyches and uh, share vulnerably within a group for the intention of, of healing. And what, what would you like to share about um, the importance of that kind of group work? Okay. Huh. That is very interesting. Um, um, let me uh, begin with something completely unrelated. Um <laughs> To give you an example, uh, let me see. Okay, here, for example, um, how can I explain this? And, you know, what I'm finding challenging in what I do is that I need to be able to find words, the right words to articulate what I know at a different level. What I know is not intellectual, is not rational. It's a, it's a knowing. It's, it's in, in my body and it's in my soul. It's not an understanding per se, an intellectual understanding. So sometimes to translate that into words is, is very difficult. And actually that's my journey in what I teach, to be able to find the words. I'm having difficulty writing my book precisely because of that, because there's just so much. It's there as a body of, of, um, of knowing, not knowledge, but of knowing, of being, and I have to find the words to, 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 to translate, to explain. Plain. Even um, in my language, I still speak, uh, still understand and speak a little bit, but I still I understand better than I speak my own uh, dialect, which is called Maka. And we have words in Maka that if I had to translate them, if I had to explain to someone, it could take me a whole five pages just to explain one word. And so, <laughs> so, mm. so this is why I'm trying to take a different approach to answer your question. So, for example... Um, here we talk so much about community, for example. So this is what I often say to people here when I, when I speak at an event, when I just simply talk to people. I would say, if you were to go to my village and speak to my elders and ask them, what is community? Uh, how do we reach community and how do we nurture community? They will have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, we don't have the word community in our vocabulary in my dialect. We do not talk about community, and yet we live as a community. You see, there's the knowing of something, and there's the actual living it, and there's the the knowing in terms of understanding it, uh, understanding a definition, and talking about it. And I'm finding that here, I'm finding mostly that. I'm finding that a lot of people have um, a lot of words to describe a lot of things. They have a lot of definitions, and they have a lot of explanations around that. We have debates, and we explore concepts, and everything, but it remains that. It remains a concept for the most part, and we focus more on the intellectual understanding and rationalization and having the right definition than uh, on actually the, the actual experience. Regardless of what we call whatever we, we, we do, what is important is indeed what we do, is the being, beingness of it, is the, the presence of it. So my elders do not know the word community and they do not talk about community, because they're too busy living as a community. And so it's just like uh, like a fish trying to explain what is water. So the fish probably doesn't know that they're, they're, they're swimming in the water and what water is, and it will be difficult for them to, to describe to us, to articulate to us humans what water is to them. And so the question that you ask about the, the, the importance of uh, sharing, if I understand correctly, uh, you, you talked about shadow work and the, the importance of doing the, the, the work as a, uh, in a group, right, as a community. Um, right. it, to, me, to me, the challenge uh, is that is in the way we do this to begin with, you see, because um, back home, since life is all about community, 
we never have to, to stop things and say, okay, now we're going to do the healing, you know, together as a group. Now we're going to do this. Now, no, it's all part of the process of life. Uh, there cannot possibly be a village, a community together without being there for one another constantly. Uh, it's not something that you, you do separately that is, okay, now it's time to do this. Uh, now it's time to come together and talk about our issues. We don't do it this way. And so it is part of the way of life. And so what I what I I communicate here, what I try to encourage here, is uh, for people to start embracing a different way of life. Now, we're not there yet, of course, and we have to take baby steps or we have to, to walk to, to the direction where we can indeed be there and have that sense of well-being and sense of where we're belonging so that everybody equally feels taken care of and they feel like they're a part of, etc. And so when we gather like this as a group and we're going to share, um, there's only so much we can do through that modality, you see. Um, in our culture, we also dance. We also sing together. We do, uh, I like to, to, to think that we are more concerned about the well-being of the soul than the well-being of uh, the mind, the intellectual mind. Uh, Eckhart Tolle has said that um, the Western world is the most mind-dominated of all cultures. And so when we gather like this to, to share, to share our deepest, darkest shadow work, etc., yes, it, it's helpful. To, uh, sometimes it's, it's helpful to be able to, uh, to process you know, in our head what's going on and to have other people um, uh, help us and, and go back and forth and, and et cetera. But it's not enough because there's another level of processing that cannot possibly happen in the mind, that cannot possibly happen with just the words that we're using when we're talking to one another. So we have to also move into the level of the body so that the body has a chance to process everything that we understand intellectually. Uh, we have to move uh, to to go deeper at the level of the soul so that the soul too has, has a chance to, to continue its journey and grow and all of that. And so the, the, the working as a group and, and, and helping each other in therapy groups and, and, and things like this, yes, it's helpful, but it's very limited. Is it mm. Yes. Right, to really have that depth of transformation that also touches the soul's wisdom and, and journey and, and the physical body. Oh, my gosh, that's, that's a huge piece I see with people when I'm working with them and, and uh, around money issues and when people are able to not only share their story, but then pause and reflect and, and feel what they're feeling, what emotions, what's coming up in their body. There is so much wisdom that can be accessed um, in addition to our minds through our body and emotions. Absolutely. And you know, you know how we know, we, or at least we should know that, that, uh, that this works? It's, it, okay, it's this. We have so many books that have already been written around, you know, about everything, you know, when it comes to healing, when it comes to therapy, etc. And so we know so many things. We know we have a lot of knowledge. And yet we're still stuck. And yet we're still hurting. And yet we're still in need of healing. So what's going on? It really shows us that, okay, it's not just at the intellectual level. And so, but now how do you heal something that you do not yet know how to articulate, something that you do not uh, um, yet understand in your mind, that is an interesting, now that is a different question. And that is what, where I believe where we shine as African people, as, as a culture that is all about movement, that is all about rhythm. This is where we bring the other missing piece because, again, that these two have to, to meet. You know, it's one thing to have all the intellectual uh, answers and everything and all the intellectual understanding. You have a lot of people listening to, to uh, this conversation right now who have read so many books, and I'm sure they could write the, their own book with all the knowledge that they already know uh, from all these different books. But it doesn't mean that they're, they're going to be able to uh, heal themselves or free themselves from whatever it is that the, the pain, whatever pain that they're experiencing, precisely because it is not enough. The intellectual knowledge is not enough. And so we have to 
sink into something else. And this something else also uh, requires a community. We do not back home. We do not do our healing on our own. <laughs> There's no such thing. We need other people. We need other people's energy to activate the healing and to, uh, to um, um, how do you say, to give it more energy and to give it uh, more power. Uh, we need other people. We need to connect with uh, the unseen world, what we call the world for, for us. We, we talk in terms of, a lot about our ancestors and our connection to the ancestors. And there's just so much I could say about that. If I, if I start, I don't even know when we, we're going to end this conversation. Uh, but we need to be able to tap into that invisible world to bring it. In the same way as we understand that there's the, cons- the conscious mind and what we do with the conscious mind, and then there's also the subconscious mind, and the the subconscious mind operates in a totally different way. So in the same way, for me, there's this physical reality and there's an unseen reality also that affects this physical reality. And if we... um, when we learn a lot about uh, uh, personal growth and everything, we learn that in order to change our reality in the conscious mind, well, from a, uh, from a conscious uh, um, perspective, we have to begin shifting things in the subconscious. So in order to change this reality here, this physical reality, we have to change something in the invisible reality. Now the question, of course, will be how do we tap into this uh, um, unseen reality since we cannot see it how do we affect it how do we know that it works etc uh, etc et so that's an, uh, another um, the, the, the other equation and so that's where we need to therefore uh, connect with those cultures who have developed that you see African culture is, um, is, an, is a, in our traditions we have um, the things that we do the things that we know uh, or have been passed on uh, from generation to the to to the next uh, orally, so we are we are an oral tradition as opposed to writing things for the for the next generation, and so that is um, uh, both uh, a blessing and, and and a curse because uh, by doing it this way at a certain level at a deeper level it forces the things the, the knowledge to be at a deeper level but the problem is that it's not passed on uh, for somebody who did not have a chance to therefore learn this directly then how do you pass that that all that knowledge on how do you pass all this body of knowledge on we have some uh, scholars in in, uh, in africa who have said one in, in particular who wrote that in africa when an old man uh, dies it's a whole library that is burning and that is very true because the knowledge is embedded in that person and how do you pass that on? But it's still there. It's still there somewhere and it's still, it's still accessible. We just have to find the way to enter that in- invisible world. And that's where, to me, that's where dancing comes in. That's where singing comes in. There's just so much that is being exchanged, that is being shared when we dance together. The power of that, I cannot begin to put it into words because this is something that I feel... Um, at such a level that I have no word to describe what goes on when we're really, really dancing together and singing together. Mm. I invite listeners just to take a moment here and maybe remember a time when you lost yourself in a dance or in a music or song or some way where you were in a flow state Um, You know, it could be some physical activity or something, you know, try and draw back that that memory of that, the the purity of when your mind is quiet and you're engaged with joy in in some way. And and really, it's my challenge to you to find a way to enter this kind of flow state again sometime this week after listening to this and become inspired to invite your connection with the unseen world. And, you know, we are so distracted and busy and over scheduled that um, often people uh, don't really prioritize that quiet stillness those times when we can, um, you know, do like the dancing and singing and find the value that our souls 
thirst for that that kind of flow state and it, it nourishes us it really does at a deep level I'm so inspired um, by what you're sharing Jackie um, I'd love to uh, let's just take a quick break here and when we come back um, let's let's talk more about some you know advice for uh, many of the people listening maybe women in their um, 30s and 40s who are purpose-driven entrepreneurs and um, just would love to hear your perspective on what, what kind of things uh, give you greater vitality as an entrepreneur and, and for people who are struggling from a, a sense of disconnection or hiding, um, you know, what, what wisdom you have for them. Um, all right, we'll be back in just a moment here. Do you get choked up and flushed talking about money? Don't let fear and shame stop you from sharing your value. Speak up, sister. Find out how to boost your financial communication skills at www.findyourmoneyvoice.com. Perhaps you're like Gwen, a budding creative entrepreneur who wants to provide for her family, but she has a tough time expressing her needs. She chronically undercharges and lays awake at night with money stress. With Crystal's Find Your Money Voice training, she found renewed confidence speaking her self-worth. Transform beliefs, behaviors, and skills with money. With greater clarity and focus, Gwen more confidently negotiated solid agreements and increased her business earnings with the trainings found at Find Your Money Voice. Welcome back. We are here with Jackie Yenga, enjoying such a deep, heartfelt, soulful conversation about the importance of community and connection. And um, I know many entrepreneurs I know often struggle from feeling disconnected or alone and just like it is it can feel like it takes so much effort to find authentic connection in this modern world and things like social media give us almost this artificial sense that we have thousands of friends who care about us and and we are um, sharing but there are certain limitations to, to engaging with, with social media to satisfy our deep need for belonging and, and contribution. And so I'm just curious what, what advice you have for women in particular who may be struggling, um, who may be staying at home with their children or, you know, um, in their own entrepreneurial business um, struggling with feeling disconnected or alone, how, how could they create more connection and community in their life? Mm-hmm. That's such a great question. Um, allow me to, remi- to remind us all that what we're really talking about here is uh, we're talking about healing, even though we're not necessarily using this word. But when we talk about but it's a very popular word that, you know, we throw in everywhere. But we also have to agree on what we mean by healing. And to me, healing doesn't mean fixing anything. Healing, to me, is about restoring alignment and harmony. And so alignment to what and harmony with what? Uh, so it will be alignment with spirit and harmony in our relationships with spirit. And, and why is that important? And that's, I believe, that will probably give uh, the, the, the listeners a, a starting point. In my culture, we believe that the quality of our relationship to life is determined by the quality of our relationship to spirit. So we need to be able to develop an awareness of that, of the relationship to spirit. Through any, any means we want. I mean, some people do meditate in it. Some people do different things uh, through art. Through, but there's, there's a, a sense of being connected to something greater than ourselves, you know, uh, um, uh, maybe our source. And, and there's something in us, there's an energy within us that is constantly, constantly seeking union with, with spirit. And so we need to be able to communicate with that spirit world. And now 
the question, therefore, will be how do we do that? Now, in my culture, our elders and our healers teach us that um, you cannot, uh, we have an expression that says that um, you do not speak to, um, to uh, spirit in the same way as you talk to your neighbors, meaning that you have to use a different language. And uh, allow me to give you a quote. I believe it's a, a, a dancer called Martha Graham here who says that um, dance is the language of the soul. And so I'm going to give you my own quote. <laughs> I will say that if dance is the language of the soul, then rhythm is the language of uh, sp- spirit. So no. to me, the journey is about the journey of rhythm. Uh, you dance, you, you sing, you play music, all of that, anything that can connect you to rhythm. Why? Because imagine for a second, when you observe nature, all you see, you see order, you see rhythm. In my culture, we follow rhythm, like traditional cultures follow rhythm. So basically, we plant our seeds uh, to grow our food when nature says it's time. We harvest our food when nature says it's time. We follow the natural rhythm. We're not going against it. But in the Western world, we, we, we are run by the clock, by the clock time. And so we do things because we have a deadline. And so, therefore, we're going to force uh, the, the, and, and, and dismiss completely the natural rhythm. I always say this. I have my, another quote that I like to use. I say that African time is rhythm, you see. And so when you are in alignment with a sense of rhythm, it just creates a different space inside of you. Uh, you have more options available. Uh, because you're more connected to the natural world, you are more connected to the language of spirit, and so it creates, it brings about a sense of well-being. It brings about a sense of um, uh, not feeling alone co- completely. Like you can be, I live on my own. I I was married before with, uh, I live in in Vancouver in in Canada, and uh, I was married with with a Canadian man. I am now divorced and I live on my own. I don't have children, but I do not feel lonely per se because I have something else in me, because I have resources. It doesn't mean that I see a whole, not, not, tons of people on a regular basis, not at all. I can be really, really content completely on my own because I have my own community inside of me. You understand? So it's not community is not just something in the outside. It is also inside. So it begins with that connection with the spirit world because in our culture, we are taught to develop that relationship to the spirit world, and therefore I have a relationship with my ancestors. And so if they are in, in here with me, and if I feel that they're supporting me, if I feel that they're gu- guiding me, then right there, it changes everything. That is a total game changer. So I encourage people, my, my first advice will be to create that connection within uh, using rhythm. Rhythm is an easy starting uh, starting point and it will really make you feel the thing is you can really feel it right away. You know, it's not intangible. Some people, when they do meditations, they're hoping for that bliss moment that some people, other people talk about and, and now everybody's rushing to have that uh, that high. But no, you know, being connected doesn't necessarily mean that you have to reach that uh, sense of um, great blissful high or whatever. And yet, when you're dancing, you can so easily reach that point. When you're singing, you can easily reach that point. So anybody who is listening right now, what I will encourage them to do is to try it out. Take a moment to sing to yourself, for example. Just do that. Just sing to yourself. And then if you're a little bit more adventurous, dance on your own, but dance for you. Dance for connection with an intention to connect with your own soul. And then you'll see what happens. Just start starting with that is a game changer. Mm. I love it. It's something people can do right now. It's free. It's just accessible to anyone and I often if I'm working a lot at the computer or on the phone I'll just stop at you know every hour or so I like to and just have a dance break with some music and it totally (laughs) revitalizes me and, and brings the joy back and I love that absolutely that rhythm, too, yes. is so important in our natural rhythms as women throughout our days, throughout our monthly moon cycle, and, and throughout the seasons of our lives. And that sometimes we'll be very productive and external creating, and sometimes we'll be more the 
quiet, uh, fallow times of reflection and healing as well. Absolutely, absolutely. It is so interesting how we can clearly see that uh, that rhythm is important when we talk about things like this. So uh, you talk about yeah, the, 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 the women's cycle. If it's out of whack, then we know that, okay, something is wrong here. It's not normal. Um, if you go to your doctor and they check, they check your, your heartbeat, if your heartbeat beat is erratic, they'll say, oh, no, no, this is not normal. There's a problem. So rhythm is important. But if when we're out of rhythm in our own life, when we're out of rhythm uh, from, from nature and all of that, we do not see that as a problem. And yet it really is a problem, you know. It really is a problem. But... Uh, we, we've been taught to look at other things. So we value time uh, over rhythm, for example. We need to start switching that, uh, uh, that balance back, you see. Uh, yes, of course, we live in a world where we have deadlines. We need to, to respect the, the time, clock time, uh, when we're dealing with other people. But it doesn't mean that this clock time has to rule your inside. And so the clock time goes against too many times, too often goes against the natural uh, cycle, the natural um, uh, way of life. But within you, inside of you, you do not want to let go of uh, this sense of rhythm. Once you reconnect with that sense of rhythm, then it changes everything. To me, it really does. And that joy that you were talking about, to me, this is what life is about. And this is where African people are really, uh, they really shine because we are a culture of celebration and of joy. And that is the reason why, to me, the, the reason why we can do that is precisely because that's, it's there, right there. It's in the air. We just have to connect to it. And so once you connect to it, regardless of your economic circumstances, joy is there. It's always there, it's always available, and it's not dependent on anything. So taking a moment to dance and to sing for yourself brings you back the joy. And then you can see how you can separate them from your, your, your financial state. But the good thing about this is, is this, once you come from that place of the sense of joy, once, once you have a sense of rhythm and harmony within and alignment, it gives you, you are in a different space place a place and space and so you are more resourceful you can better access the resources that you need in order to create more wealth and in order to actually really be um, well have to have a greater quality of life basically and so rhythm 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 very important movement and rhythm mm. and this really also connects to the title of the book that you're working on because you say how to break the habit of lifting living disconnected and access joy. And it really, I feel like is, could you speak a little bit more about why you chose that title and what that means? Absolutely. Yes. It's the spirit of the village. It's, it is indeed about breaking the habit of living disconnected. That is because everything that we do uh, in life, especially once we're adults, everything is about habit. And so we tend to look at the habit in terms of one of the things that we do, uh, 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 you know, by, by habit. But the things that we do not do also are a habit. And so living disconnected in the Western world is a habit. And so we need to break that habit and start incorporating more, um, more opportunities for connection little by little until they become once again a habit. And so to break the, 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 the habit of being disconnected, actually this uh, subtitle is inspired by um, um, Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has a, a, a wonderful book called uh, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And uh, it's a great book that really explains what happens in the mind uh, when uh, we try to change our habits, for example. We try to, to create a better life, uh, the, how, how we need to actually um, start just yeah, breaking the habit, incorporating new things and, 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 and stop doing what we do. So when it comes to connection, when it comes to uh, uh, living more, uh, a more connected life, it is, to me, the first thing is really that. That is the easiest way to begin, is to break the habit of living disconnected, is to break uh, the, 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 our, way of, our habitual way of thinking, is to start incorporating things that are more conducive to, to connection, to life in community. So that's why I suggest movement and rhythm, because... It, it, it serves really both purposes. We, not only we break the habit of living disconnected, but we 
bring in more joy. And so as you bring in more joy, you're going to want to do more joyful things. You're going to want, you're going to start be, be, becoming addicted to the feeling of joy. And that is really what I'm looking, what I'm, what I'm after. You see, once we are addicted to the feeling of joy, then we're going to uh, look for any opportunities to bring us there. And so, but now I'm talking about joy. I'm not talking about fun. This is very, very different. And that's also another thing that people really confuse. And so somebody like, you know, a group of friends, a girlfriend going for a night out uh, somewhere, partying, and et cetera, they can call it fun. You know, it might include lots of drinking, alcohol, and, ev- and everything. But fun is not healing. <laughs> On the contrary, fun is very distracting. And uh, it, it is masking the problems often. But joy to me is profoundly healing because joy is so authentic, because joy is right there. It's raw. It's just not natural. And it's healing because it just put, puts you in a different frame of mind. And so the more addicted to joy you are, the better for you. Mm. And I've found some of the most amazing people uh, can access joy no matter what the circumstances in their life, that they can still be kind and have a smile on their face and, and feel peace even when uh, challenging circumstances are happening. And these resilient people are really able to respond to changes and have often that deep spiritual connection and and sense of meaning in their life that isn't so distracted uh, by other what's happening on the outside. Absolutely. And one of the proofs of that is uh, that um, we see sometimes pictures of uh, African children or children in many so-called poor countries, not just Africa. I'm talking about Africa because this is where I come from and this is what I know best. And so you look at the kids back home, they might not have shoes, like in some villages, you know, some, because not everywhere, you know, people have that idea that, oh, poor children. No, you know, not always. But okay, fair enough. Let's say in some villages when you have children who are poor and then they don't have shoes and everything, what people miss is the, the big smile that they have. And this big smile is from a place of joy. So the two are completely unrelated. You see, that they could have no, they have no iPad, you know, before going to school in the morning, which, by the way, to go to school, they maybe have to walk, I don't know how many kilometers, but before going to school, they have to go fetch the water at the water source because they don't have running water at home, stuff like that. But, you know, it doesn't prevent them from being extremely joyful. And and really, and I've met a lot of people, a lot of people who have told me of their, their trips to Africa where they have been really surprised by what they have seen. And they said, you know, I've seen children in your, in your culture, in your continent, who, are, who seem to be so happy in, in spite of the fact that, you know, from our perspective, they really have nothing. And then I come back home and I see the children in, in our culture and they, they seem so bored with life and yet they have everything. I say, yes, that should be your proof. You know, the, the two are completely unrelated. You know, being poor, materially speaking, not being able to afford an, an iPad or not having the same physical material comfort has nothing to do with your ability to be a joyful person. Nothing to do, completely separate. And yet this is our source of richness. This is why I bring what I bring here because that's why I said it's possible to have the best of both worlds. There's what the Western world can can contribute, you know, in Africa, but there's also what Africa can can contribute to uh, the quality of life of people here in the West. That is really what I am passionate about sharing. Mm. So powerful, so powerful. It really, it makes me think of that uh, illusion that more money is, you know, will equal happiness. And so, so many people strive and struggle and it's always about having more, more money. And all the while they're feeling like they're not enough. There's never enough. There's this lack mm-hmm. and scarcity. And when people can reorient to joy, you know, that amount of joy and connection in our life to being the the purpose and instead of acquiring more things and more money, um, then we'll really see a, transformation on the globe and that's underway I mean we really are seeing conversations like this happening more and more and uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I'm 
I'm curious if people are interested about what you've been sharing, how they can get in touch with you, what your website is, and if you want to share more about the 30-day challenge you have. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Um, before I answer this, I just want to say that uh, to 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 make something clear, uh, we're not condemning um, the quest for for money, for example, right? You know, the the uh, uh, going after money, wanting to have more abundance. Uh, the the issue isn't uh, the the quest for money per se, uh, but we have to understand that this quest comes at a cost. Uh, so it's not about um, uh, um, going after money. It's, it is how you go after money. You see, mm-hmm. if you if you take into account everything, then then yes, you know, uh, if you have uh, you make sure that your your well being is the, the 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 first thing that is the most important. You have this sense of joy, and you come from all the right places, right? Of course, in bracket, all the the right places. Then going after money, you know, you know so the, the 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 quest for money can become a joyful pursuit in its own and uh, something fun to do and something also that allows you to contribute more and share with other people. So it's not about condemning money. That's why I said it bringing the best of both worlds. Uh, the Western world know, knows how to, to do that, how to go after money, but we know how to live you know, joyfully. So it would be great to bring the two together. And so uh, for people to connect with me, my website is uh, simply my name, JackieYanga.com. Jackie is J A. T-K-Y, Yanga, Y-E-N-G-A, dot com. And uh, I do indeed have um, uh, an introduction to uh, maybe the principles that I talk about on my website, which is a 30-day village challenge. So basically, um, the challenge invites people to, to start precisely breaking the habit of living disconnected, uh, to do things every day uh, for 30 days, that um, that are going to how do you say um, make them be connected to to the the people around them, uh, their community, the community at large. When I talk about community here, uh, I talk about community that people understand. But my definition of community from my own upbringing, from my traditional uh, upbringing, uh, is much larger than most people's definition because it, it does include not just the people around me, but also nature is part of my community. My ancestors are part of my community. My spiritual source is part of my community. So it's a much wider definition. And so this this journey, uh, we, we, you know, I, I, I try to design it in such a way that it's not disruptive uh, uh, to people, to someone's um, uh, regular lifestyle, so that it's easy to do. So when it's easy to do, there's no excuse. <laughs> so, um, so it will give people uh, a chance to to see how they feel. So when you do the challenge and you do that for 30 days, and, and you're really living a more connected life for 30 days. See how you feel after that, if you have to really, really do that. See how you feel. And my hope is that it will simply encourage people to want more of that. And it's really not difficult. And people do not have to spend a whole pile of money to feel connected to one another. And yes, I, I do have other programs. Actually, I'm, I'm putting together a lot of things. I want to do more mostly retreats uh, now because I've been teaching locally in Vancouver for a long time. I've been doing African healing dance workshops for women and events where we come to Together, but I'm going to start offering retreats next year where we come together, we sing together, we dance together, we play drums together because it's so powerful. The power of the the, the, the drum, the vibration of the drum, and we do. Uh, I incorporate a, a little bit of some of our traditional healing modalities in 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 uh, when we're together. That is because. To me, again, the journey of healing is about healing the soul, healing our relationship to the spirit world. And so the mind is not the one, the, uh, the one to, that communicates with spirit. The soul is the one that communicates with spirit. So if we start feeding the soul and, and making sure to nurture the soul and to give it what it needs, again, through the songs, through the dances, and through music in general, we start really developing a more loving relationship with ourselves. That is actually where I'm coming from. And so this is the invitation that I have for people who are interested in this uh, in this discussion. Mm. Oh, what a wonderful offering. I found it inspiring, uh, just that 
like you said, um, doing the 30-day challenge and, and finding the steps quite simple but powerful and just really a great way to, uh, yeah, we do just get in the routine and habit of living life in the way we do. And I love what you just said about coming back to loving something about loving ourselves more and connecting with our own spirit and soul and just want Mm -hmm. to thank you with so much gratitude for bringing this wisdom here to share today and the way in which your work is affecting real and lasting change in all of the people who you touch and, and work with and just feel like it's, it's such um, potent message and uh, medicine for the time to call for greater connection, community, and and recognize our interconnected. Uh, like you said, our community is not just other humans, that we really are part of this entire network that sustains us and nourishes us, and that we get to offer our gifts and unique genius uh, in, into our communities. So thank you so much for all the wisdom you brought forth today. It's been a delightful conversation. Um, So appreciate your uh, sharing today. Thank you so much, Jackie. Thanks for listening. If you like what you heard, the biggest compliment you can give us is to subscribe to the show and rate and review our podcast at iTunes. Be sure to visit www.moneymorphosis.com. That's money-m-o-r-p-h-o-s-i-s.com to join the growing community of empowered women who are dedicated to creating the true wealth they deserve.